Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. It's Paul Mosenson, founder of NewSpark Consulting and NewSpark Marketing, and welcome to Fix the Convince. Today we're going to talk about fixing the convince of content marketing, and I'm very proud to have as a guest today, Ardith Alby. Hi, Ardith. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. So a little intro here. Ardith Alby is a B2B marketing strategist and CEO of her firm, Marketing Interactions. She helps companies with complex sales turn prospects into buyers and convince customers to stay with personas and persona-driven content marketing strategies. Ardith is the author of Digital Relevance, Developing Marketing Content and Strategies that Drive Results, and E-Marketing Strategies for the Complex Sale. She's a frequent industry speaker and workshop leader, and you'll often find her on the list of the top B2B content marketing experts to follow. So we're so grateful to have her on the show today. So I've got a number of questions for you, Ardith. All right. Let's have about it. Here we go. So let's go back to the basics, even though it's 2020. And for people who um, don't really totally understand it, but we've heard a lot about content marketing over the years. In your view, can you define what content marketing is and why B2B companies should not take content development lightly? Sure, I, I can try. This is one of the reasons why there's a lot of confusion because there's probably a dozen at least definitions of content marketing. My favorite one really is the one from Content Marketing Institute. So let's start with that. And what they say is content marketing is a strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience and ultimately drive a profitable customer action. So the point of the whole thing really is about the strategic approach and the provision of consistent relevant content to a specific audience. So what you're trying to do is not only get their attention, but engage and retain that audience so they become your customer. And that's the reason B2B companies should take you know, note of this is because it's becoming increasingly, increasingly harder to you know, get, get that attention, and excuse my puppy for chiming in, but it's become extremely hard to engage these people. And so when you're developing content with purpose that's consistent, that connects to you know, the different pieces, connect the story, then you have a much better shot of actually providing something valuable that helps your audience solve problems and stick with you because they're learning something and it's applicable to what they do. And so, whereas when you send out one-off random acts of content, it doesn't connect to anything. So it might be great for the moment, but I call those drive-by views because there's nowhere to go. You know, what story are you building? What are you helping them accomplish? So I think that's the real difference here between just creating content because and actually pursuing content marketing from a strategic perspective. Yeah, good point here. I just wanted to throw in that just occurred to me when you were saying that, that when you think about it, you've heard the phrase conversion optimization. Mm-hmm. It really contributes to that, right? Because this is all uh, the process of conversion when you think about it. It is. It is. And so when you think about B2B especially, 
there's a lot of complexity. And quite often, prospects are solving this problem for the very first time, or even if they've solved it, solved it before, chances are the technology is totally different than what they bought last time, right? Because it changes so fast if it's that kind of a purchase. And so they have to learn what they, what they don't know, you know, and learn all over again and look at it differently. And the way we do business changes. So all of it's kind of different and it takes, you know, anywhere up to like 11 to 18 pieces of content or engagements to actually teach them what they need to know and help them, you know, get to a point of either making a decision or getting into a conversation with your salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, it can be a complex process for sure. It's hard, you know, and not just building the content plan, right? But mm -hmm. what topics, you know, how do you determine what makes sense for your audience? Of course, with personas and things like that. But in your view, how do you plan topics and subjects for, for content? that relates to the audience and also what kind of formats is a sidebar there, but why don't you take a few minutes to talk about that? Yeah, well, you mentioned it with personas. And so quite frankly, you know, I have companies come to me and say, well, we know who we're selling to. Let's just skip the persona part and get straight to the content marketing strategy. And I said, well, what should we say to them? You know, and there's, there's kind of dead silence, you know, and the thing about it is even if you understand the role, if you don't understand the thought process and the perspective, then it's really hard to match not only topics, but the way you talk about the topics to what will be resonate and be considered relevant to that audience. And so one of the things in building personas is that you find out all this kind of stuff, including the phrases they use, the things they said they needed to learn about, what they didn't understand. And that really dictates the kind of content topics you develop. You know, you figure out what questions did they have along the way. And then you think about how as a brand, given what our purpose is and what we stand for and what we help them achieve, how do we answer those questions? And if you can figure that out, you pretty much have your storyline, your, your content, um, you know, topic list, if you will. Um, but also in formats, you know, one of the things I hear consistently when I'm talking to my clients' um, customers is the lack of interest in video, yet it's the thing you hear about the most. Yeah, and for sure. Reasons, and one of the reasons for that is because it's not easy to share. You know, one of, one of my clients' customers said to me, you know, I have to go back and look and say, okay, at minute 3.27, you can hear this snippet, which is what I want you to hear. He says, where with a PDF, I could highlight it send it to them and say, look at page three that I highlighted. And he says, it's much easier, you know, to be able to, and, and they can download and keep them for reference, right? But it's easier to share and they don't have time with written content. They can skim and scan and get what they need and move on. And video, you're kind of held captive until you get to the part you want to hear about or to find out if there's even anything relevant for you in the video. And so learning things like that can save you a lot of time, effort, and money, you know, and you might test it to say, well, that's, you know, one person's opinion, but in one case, I heard it from, you know, seven of the 12 people I talked to. That's a pretty strong indication that video wasn't going to work for this particular um, group of people in this, in this particular audience. And so 
you know, but you also hear that they really like research. So make sure that you add evidence in your content to support whatever it is you're saying. So you learn a lot of things if you build personas correctly. I think the biggest problem we have is that personas are not being built correctly. And so they're not helpful. You know, so for example, I see a lot of personas that have all kinds of demographic information, you know, like the, what their salary is and they live in the suburbs with two dogs and three kids or whatever. What are you going to do with that? Yeah, really? <laughs> so we, we got to focus on their professional orientation, you know, and what they care about. Are they building, are they leaving a legacy because they're getting closer to retirement? You know, have they been in their job long enough on average to know where the bodies are buried and get the job done, you know, get the purchase done? Those kinds of things. And so, you know, I, the more you know about your audience, and I don't care if you build a persona or do research, however you're going to do it, but the more you know about your audience, the better off you're going to be in creating whatever marketing strategy, content marketing or otherwise, that you're using. Right. It brings up another question, too, when you start thinking about topics and personas and needs through their buying cycle is the uh, what we call funnel content, top funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel. It is a process um, and to map those things, but how do you, how would you define, the, you know, mid funnel content versus bottom funnel? Right. Well, let's contrast mid funnel to early funnel first. So we okay. get where we're going. Sure. Early funnel is really about meeting them at status quo. What are they doing today and why should they change, you know, and building the case for they should change in the way that your solution helps them. Um, mid-funnel content is really when they've decided that they have a problem they can't address internally and they need to go outside um, and find a solution and then they start pulling other people in to the evaluation people that are going to be affected and everybody goes out and does their own research and comes back with a bunch of information and beliefs that conflict with each other and so mid-funnel content is really Sienna stop this is not about you <laughs> and uh, but the, the thing with mid funnel content is it's really meant to help bring people together, help get that common understanding so that they can all agree to move forward together. And um, if without that, you've got nowhere to go. So your mid funnel content really has to focus on how do you help your primary buyer, if you will, share the right information with everybody else on the buying committee to get them all on board. How do you help address all those um, concerns or perspectives that are involved and then when you move on to let's say that works which hopefully it will then you move on to late funnel content and the late funnel content is really sales supporting content some mid funnel content can also be that but what it's really doing is when they get to that final stage it's all about validating they're making the right choice like they're going to get the right support you're really a good cultural fit for them the product is actually going to do what it says it does but then there's all the what if stuff that comes up at the last minute. What if our users won't adopt it? You know, what if it takes longer than you're saying for us to implement? What if it costs more? And so late stage content or bottom funnel content is really about mitigating all those final risks and concerns and helping salespeople really support the conversation and um, provide the insight and information that buyers need to say, okay, we're choosing you. There's also case studies too, and things like that, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On a funnel, that's like support. And sure, and case studies can also be used at any point in the process. It depends on how they're written. One of the challenges is how do you uh, make case studies effective during the different stages of the funnel by writing them differently? 
Right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, even if you wrote like mid-funnel content solving a business problem, you may want to include a case study there. Um, it, it does kind of borderline between informational and promotional, but, um, yeah. but people do that. Well, and, and they want to know how do companies like mine solve this problem with you? So for example, I'm a consultant like you, and I can't tell you how many emails I get from sales reps who proudly say our clients include AT&T, Google, Facebook, whatever. Totally has nothing like nothing to do with me. And it makes me think, okay, you're, you know, too massive to help somebody in my situation, a small business, you know, or whatever. And so it's totally irrelevant. Right? Yeah. Let's move on to a related topic, though, which is content that drives leads, right? Mm -hmm. You know, versus, you know, sharing and social things like that, because, you know, of course, on your website, I know there's always, you know, as you know, a 20 year controversy on gated content, not gated content and things like yeah. that, which is a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. But um, because, you know, companies are hungry for leads and if something is valuable enough, we think someone should give up their email address for it. And that's the, the strategy basically is you can't get this anyplace else. This is very interesting mm -hmm. uh, that it's worth. I know I'm going to get nurtured and called, but I really need to read this. That's the challenge, right? So it is, you know, one of the interesting things I've seen lately is the whole content hub concept that um, think of companies like Uberflip, Path Factory, Folos, um, that kind of have taken this, uh, let people binge on content if they want to approach. But the thing about it is, is that there's the capability we have now to let people read a certain amount of content and then say, do you wanna keep going? Give me your email address. And then you give them a few more pages and hey, if you wanna keep going, give me your title or whatever. And so you can kind of do, it's kind of like progressive, you know, information capture, lead scoring, if you will. Um, but providing value before you ask for the information. Um, you know, I think we have to come up with um, better, you know, better ways other than just the landing page with the form on it. Fill this out to get the information. Otherwise, you get this paragraph and three bullets. And that's all we're giving you, you know. But the other thing, too, that's changing a lot of things is I have a client that's using AI and incorporated in their website, the website platform they provide, which they call a customer experience platform, right. that actually incorporates intent data um, so that you don't necessarily have to have a form to understand who you're talking to. And you can actually dynamically serve content based on what they're looking at on your site or who you think they are given the intent data. Um, and so that with the idea being that if you can engage them well, if your content is good enough, they're gonna say, you know, I need to learn more about this and they're gonna fill out the demo request or the contact us form or, you know, what have you and making sure that that's, you know, prevalently available, you know, um, so that they can do so. And that's changing a lot of the thinking, although I still have clients where, the, you know, the boss says, nope, we got to have a form because you're still graded on those, getting those 500 leads you have to generate every month. And the thing for me about that is just getting a form fill is not getting a lead, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's an inquiry. Mm -hmm. 
but there's numbers and marketers like to show numbers and results and you know the old adage that we did our job right so yeah uh, but what do the numbers mean you know i mean well yeah i mean if they're just names they're that's not you just wasted your time really they have to be engaged and that's the whole idea of trying to attract these people to really think about a solution versus you know it's all about lead qualification and things like that which is something we talked about last week <laughs> but anyway um but i hear you i hear you for sure um we can talk a lot about sales enablement too and content because you know, obviously the the people listening to this executives okay we have this content strategy and you know but why don't you talk about and you know the sales team and okay now what are they doing and how do they take advantage of the content marketing plan yeah well i am really excited about the the opportunity sales enablement provides and it's not like it's new but it's finally getting a lot of attention unfortunately it's become a little bit blurry but think about this idea that if you're truly embracing content marketing and you're embracing that consistency of content to build and sustain an audience that the content has to orchestrate progression and momentum okay so it has to build and eventually sales has to get in to the conversation with a b2b complex sale you know they're not in most cases not going to you know spend a million bucks um in an e-commerce purchase so we still have to have salespeople involved and marketing's job should really be to provide enough information, the right information that people are requesting to talk to salespeople or willing to talk to salespeople much earlier in the process. And they say they want to, if you look at the buyer research, the problem they said is they're not seeing anything relevant enough to make them really excited about talking to a salesperson. In fact, only 23% of B2B buyers say that sales reps are in their top three resources for buying stuff. So right now we've got a situation where marketing's creating all this content and if we can show salespeople how to use it, make sure they can find it, that they're not going out and creating their own, which is gonna be inconsistent with the story marketing's telling. If we can help them connect all the dots so that the buyer doesn't have to think about, are we talking to marketing or sales, right? Are we, are we being communicated with by marketing or sales? because it all works together and it's valuable. And so I think there's a huge ability for marketing to really help sales have better conversations and be able to engage their buyers and provide more recognizable value faster, hence shorten sales cycles, create more revenue, et cetera. And I know you're a big fan of this as well. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I can tell you that it's like that whole concept of marketing and sales alignment, which we heard back in probably 2001, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but it, it's going on it, forever. It, it is. Uh, it's, it, yeah. it, it all, has, all has to work together. You have to be on the same page and you need leadership team to drive that for sure. Yeah, but, you absolutely do. And it's, I, I just find it really interesting. And if you think about it, if you think about it, um, you need to tell that story from beginning to end anyway. And so helping, helping everybody tell the same story is really what it's all about. For sure. We talked about complex sale and that's your focus, 
but mm -hmm. you know you have and I have clients that are in manufacturing in the industrial space and maybe their call to action on their website is not free consultation or download guide but it's get a quote right mm -hmm. something shorter they're already in the market um, do those kinds of firms and and how do they would they benefit from a content marketing strategy <clears throat> excuse me um, yes I think they would I think well I'm a bit biased of course I think everybody can benefit from content marketing strategy but I mean think about things like let's say it's a seed manufacturer selling seeds to farmers think about new applications new ways to grow the seed new ways to um, fertilize the seed or whatever you know I mean any kind of information can be made compelling and the it's really a thinking about what can we become a relied upon expert for you know that keeps our customers coming back to us instead of going to the guy selling seed down the street you know because they get more value because they understand how to grow a better crop or whatever it is right a lot of times I work with industrial manufacturing so they're selling you know think caterpillar big huge machines you know and um, for moving earth and all that kind of stuff which is obviously a more complex sale than buying seed you know for some people but a farmer that's taken his life on growing those fields is a pretty big deal to him you know so it depends on what you're selling but there's you know things are being developed all the time and there's new um, technology or science behind them and the more you can help people stay up to speed and understand what's going on, the more valuable you are to them. So it's not necessarily um, creating content with the intent that that content will sell more, but the intent that you're building a better relationship, more trusted relationship, which will keep bringing those customers back to you and getting them to buy from you, even if the guy down the street is 5% cheaper because they won't get that support and that knowledge. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. Well, it goes back to how people choose companies to do business with if it's price that's one thing but if it's trust and messaging and and you're developing uh, a relationship and you're they're solving problems and you know all those kinds of things even if it is a, a get a quote call to action it, it's it's huge it's huge it is yeah there's I think there's opportunity for everybody it just depends on the mindset the mindset of how you think about it you know what could the value be for them and as long as you're delivering that, the results you can get for yourself are infinite, I think. Sure, for sure. This is a great conversation. Let me ask you one more question. Okay. And let's go down to performance and measurement, and we can touch base on that, because I know sometimes from, a, from the high level, it may be hard to measure, like how did that white paper do, or how did that our program work, or... Like, like, what do you show the boss at the end of the day? Well, here's our results, right? So, mm -hmm. but I know that it's very uh, complicated, but how would you, in your words, define content marketing measurement? And, um, and especially when it comes to lead generation. Well, you know, this is a kind of touchy subject, <laughs> as you know. I know. And kind of for me, there's a lot of, vanity metrics if you will still in marketing like how much website traffic are we generating you know what's the dwell time on our page you know how did this short-term campaign perform you know how many leads did it produce or whatever but when i look at it for me 
really for marketing to be valuable, to earn a seat at the table, it's all, be, it's all about being able to say, we contributed you know, towards this revenue, here's how we did it, here's how we prove it, and we contributed to shortening sales cycles. You can see that. We contribute because salespeople used our content to have conversations and shared it with buyers, you know, which you can track if you have the right platform. And, you know, but ultimately we need to look at how everything builds together to contribute to a business objective because otherwise we are the fluff and art department. And so if we, yeah. are, we are a cost center and we have to stop being seen as a cost center. And, you know, marketing brings too much to the table to not be able to, to say, if you lose our department tomorrow, or if you cut us because this coronavirus is making everybody hunker down, if you cut marketing, when you come back, you won't have what you have now, or, you know, be able to carry on business, you'll have to rebuild all of that if you have to start over. Because marketing needs to be seen as a valuable investment that pays off in revenue generation, in customer retention, right? And all of those things, even in keeping talent, like the story your, your brand is telling, um, you know, to the public or your audience is also got to be compelling to the people that are going to come work for your company. So if you really think about marketing, we need to be able to to prove that we contribute to these overall objectives. And that means, yes, there's a lot of smaller metrics we need to you know, measure and combine to show that, but we need to start thinking about it in bigger terms for the, what affects the big picture, not how did the Q1 campaign do. Yeah, you're right though. Um, there's some big picture things. And like I said, there's vanity metrics, but at the end of the day, you know, especially if you use marketing automation, it's, how do we get them into the funnel and what message today uh, was the driver, right? Mm -hmm. And, and out of those people, how many of those engage with the salesperson, right? Cause that means they got down to the sales qualified lead uh, right. level, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of my clients are now being, their performance is being, is based on opportunity generation, which means actually not only requesting a demo, but completing a demo with a salesperson. And they get points for that. They don't get points for anything else. They get, I mean, they monitor the leads they generate and, and those kinds of things. But if they can't turn them into opportunities or get those demo requests done, then they don't get points for that. And so it's changed the whole dynamic about how marketing teams are looking at how do we get that job done. And um, I think we're, you're seeing more and more that marketers are taking on you know, mandates for a percentage of contribution to revenue, how are they going to prove it? And so we have to start looking beyond that, you know, and the problem that you have is if you continue to rank performance based on the old metrics of number of leads or website traffic or whatever, and yet the new mandate is you have to prove you contribute to revenue, people aren't going to do that because their performance is based on, I needed, my team needed to generate 500 leads this quarter or whatever. And so they're going to work on that without thinking about once they're in your marketing automation platform, how do you actually get them to move, right? Take and take action, be engaged. How do you get them to move? I have, a, I see a lot of companies where they're doing great at lead gen, which is in quotes form fills, right? They download, you know, got a lot of white paper downloads, but then they sit there in the marketing automation platform and do nothing. They don't respond to email. They don't, because they don't have a, a real plan. 
for how to get that movement going, how to build momentum. And so what's going to happen when all that changes and, and their boss says, you're now responsible for proving you can generate 30% of revenue, then what happens? Yeah. Uh, you know, that actually uh, brings up another point about even mid-sized companies who question the value of content marketing and it may just because their process and what you just described through this podcast is not optimized or not planned right. It always does take some patience, especially with hungry salespeople. But at the end of the day, especially with a complex sale, is people have to learn and build trust before they start engaging with the salesperson. And yeah. uh, right. Yeah, true. But you know, here here's the thing that I would say, and especially sure. with companies that. And I have a client right now where I'm going through this. Um, companies that haven't done content marketing in the past, for example, or whatever. Content marketing is not a flip the switch and woo, look at the results. That's great. You know, content marketing takes time. It takes time to build trust. You know, right, so, right. Yeah. You know, one of my clients had the CEO come to them and said, Well, you've been doing this for a couple months now. Where, where are the sales? Where's the results? And it, it was, you know, I said to him, well, we have defined and you have agreed that we have a nine month sales cycle. So we've been doing this for two months. What do you expect to see? Do you know? And so you have to get to a point now, once you've done it long enough to start generating the results, then you start seeing momentum build and then you've got, you know, sales being affected all the time, revenue being affected all the time, but it takes a certain amount of time for this thing to ramp up, you know? And so part of the problem I see is that, you know, people get um, uh, nervous and jittery and they're like expecting results right now. And so they'll say, well, it, you know, we tried this for Q1 and it didn't work. So we're going to try something else. Well, if it takes six to nine months to close a sale and you tried it for a quarter, are you giving it a fair shot? Hello. We're talking about managing expectations for sure. Uh -huh. Exactly. And that's one thing that we need to get better at as marketers, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's the same thing with SEO. You know, we added a keyword to the website and, and the, you know, one of the executives came in and said, well, I searched for it today, which is like five days later and we're not on the first page. What's the problem? He said, oh, he added it to the site, you know, don't get me started, Ardeth. Don't get me started. That's another topic. <laughs> oh boy. Well, this is insightful and I think it's a, it's a great overview of the benefits of content marketing and we can you know, with future topics, we'll go details into this, like how to do a white paper, things like that. But the bottom line, though, is it's trust, it's conversion, it's sales enablement, it's a number of different factors. It's part of the entire marketing mix, and it drives people who are interested in your solution to at least think about it, especially when they start getting a decision stage and start choosing three or four vendors because they've already been committed to finding a solution and guess what you know it's going to be the winner not just how good the salesperson is but it's the content that gets you in the top three or four mm -hmm. yeah i i agree with you and, and you said the word that i that i would use it's commitment and you know once you you know embrace a, a strategy you need to be committed to it long enough to give it a fair shot you know, and you need to go all in. So I've had people say, well, we tried content marketing, but they really didn't. What they did was they pushed out a newsletter every two weeks with whatever content 
they had at hand just so they could hit the send button and say we did it. Well, that's not content marketing. So, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right, first of all, but then commit to it, you know, for a long enough term that it makes sense. Like at for least sure. the length of a sales cycle. Yep. Well, thanks for joining me today. This thanks is great. Sure. This is great stuff. And uh, hello, say hello to the puppy again. And thanks <laughs> for the our three-way conversation. It was very insightful. And I, all I want to do out there is for people who listen to this is think about this. Just think about your own strategy. It's all about the convincing process. Remember that. And if your content marketing isn't optimal, we can help you fix that convince. Okay. On to next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.